0: It's Tuesday, February 19th, 2019, and you're listening to The Nate Stack, an esports podcast exploring news, events, and various topics across competitive shooters, hosted by players, for players. My name is Jacob Haderade Bailey, joined as always by Christian Soup Dow. Well, today we have a lot to talk about in terms of the six invitational wrap-up. Just a quick statement of congratulations to G2 for taking it down very handily against Team Empire in the finals, lifting up the Siege trophy for a second time in a row. We'll leave it at that for the time being and jump right into our news. We have a lot to cover today, so we're just going to cook right along. In the midst of the 6 Invitational, we have IEM Katowice 2019, which has just finished the Challengers stage. We have 8 teams that have progressed through to the Legends stage. And quite frankly, there are some that have surprised us in their records coming out of this. Christian, do you want to take us through those eight?
1: Yeah, man. So um, initially, the first two teams to get through are Energy, Renegades, followed by the next three teams was Ence, Vitality, and Avangar. And lastly, we had Nip and Cloud9 and G2 progress to the Legend stage.
0: I am very excited to see the teams that have gone through and just to see the games that NRG and Renegades won to put themselves in this position. It seems like we have some up and coming teams who maybe weren't recognized as some of the ones that could really stand a chance.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to give them credit for the teams they played and they they you know, they three owed both of those teams. are The only two teams that were three. 0 and they should be proud of the games they won to get there.
0: Very much so. You know, I, I would have thought that you know Cloud Nine and Nip would have been in those brackets that would have went three zero or three one, but instead we have Energy and Renegades leading in the records. So expect to see them in the coming days and weeks up, up to the Legend stage uh, as they face down the top teams, including Astralis and MIBR and friends, to get get to that final stage into the quarters. See who takes down that major. Going to move right along. ESL announces a stream uh, deal with Facebook. Looks like it's returning back to Twitch and YouTube uh, to host the pro league and other such events christian do you have any more details on this one
1: yeah so i remember a while ago i believe esl had that agreement where they would leave twitch and they'd be strictly on youtube and then i think not long after that they weren't seeing the numbers they wanted they tried facebook and they still valve still wasn't as happy with the numbers that esl was putting up so through the agreement that is now in place esl can stream on facebook twitch and youtube so they are across almost all the big you know easily accessible streaming platforms for viewers. And I'm just happy to see him back on Twitch, to be honest. I think that was always the most uh, most beneficial and healthy place for them to kind of be located.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, I think their, their viewership had been affected uh, per their loyalties, I'll call it, to one of the other platforms. And so I think coming back to Twitch especially, that's where their biggest... At least I, from what I can see, you know, going to their channels, seeing how many people are actually watching the event. It's more accessible to a lot of people. It's a lot easier to find uh, on Twitch and less so on YouTube. But I think they're still trying to iron that out. But Facebook seems like a kind of a, a strange place to host uh, an event, host that long of a recording, that long of a live session.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Plus, it, like, again, it's the ESL. Matches, So that's going to include the league matches, the, like you just said, like the w- couple week long major events, especially the league, you know, that goes on for several months. It just seems like a kind of an awkward place to constantly go back and see the the matches for that week. YouTube was certainly a little bit better for that than Facebook, I think. But again, at the end of the day, Twitch is just the best platform for that kind of um, series.
0: Yeah, I agree. So big change coming to the way we view Counter-Strike. Uh, Outside of the actual game, but there's also another visual change that's coming inside of the game. Ahead of the Catavice Major, Valve has made an update to the way that the radar and smokes work in Counter Strike. Uh, Notably, this glitch happens where you would take advantage of a keybind that would quickly zoom in on your radar, allowing you to see enemies appear through the smoke before they were supposed to while technically not a cheat it has been there's been some arguments uh, in the cs universe over whether or not this is just an exploit or a glitch or how to properly define it and whether or not it's even allowed to be used in professional play well valve has come out ahead of the major and has made a change to it
1: yeah, I think that's one of those things that, again, you said there was some heat with some of the players uh, disagreeing or arguing or accusing the other of using it or whatever. I don't really think it should be there. I don't think it should be used. Again, the smoke hasn't cleared yet. You shouldn't see them on the radar, you know? So mm-hmm. if if it's still in the game, like if it were to still be in the game and if Call of Duty had a similar, I'm sorry, CSGO had a similar setup as Call of Duty, where they had this gentleman's agreement, I would see something like this being put on it if it wasn't fixed. But it seems Valve has kind of given their stance and said, no, this shouldn't be a thing. And they're working or have worked to fix the exploit. So I'm kind of glad it's just not there.
0: Yeah, I agree. It seems to me that if if you're taking advantage of something to get an edge that shouldn't be there, that is like the definition of exploit to me. Right. So I, I don't think there's any argument in terms of its, its way of being used as just simply an exploit, you know, because you literally you have to do something in order to actuate it so that it's not like it just. All oh, randomly happens. I can now see this guy through smoke. You have to do something in order to do it. So in that case, it's not just a glitch. It's it's an exploit in my opinion. So I'm glad that Valve has taken the steps and measures needed to just get out get out in front of it and just take care of it before it becomes a problem. Agreed. Looks like we have some team shakeups or roster changes on a number of teams. And for a number of players, we have the future of Scream in existence uh, on the line, also with Tarek and Smuya and with Hunter. To be more specific, it looks like Tarek and Smuya have a possibility of being placed on TSM. Christian, do you have any more details on that?
1: Yeah, again, I think TSM is trying to rework their way back into Counter-Strike, you know, after they had, you know, the Astralis lineup left. Then they went to more of an NA lineup that was kind of a lower tier lineup. You didn't see them much, and then eventually I think they just weren't in the scene really at all. And I think they're this is kind of their way to get back into the Counter Strike scene. You know, picking up Tarek would be a huge plus. Uh, Smuya, I think would be a pretty good pickup too. You know, these are all these are all you know these aren't rumors, but source you know quote unquote sources say this is happening. Which typically when that happens, it's more than likely the case. So I definitely think this. Could happen if they take this offer, because like I said, Tarek and Smooya would be a good starting place to get back into the Counter-Strike scene.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it looks like, you know, the fact that Tarek and Smooya are both not on their own individual teams, you know, they're constantly looking for that way back into the scene. It looks like Tarek having an offer possibly on the plate, you know, he might bite. We'll have to I see so. what uh, we'll have to see what kind of team he builds around uh, himself and with that team and how how they do in the competitive scene. How they yeah they make a you know make a wave in the North American Pro League, especially.
1: Yeah, I think that was a big selling point for TSM is allowing Tarek to kind of help help the org construct the team as he sees best fit.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I know Tarek has the ability to lead a team, and I know especially with his time on Cloud9, uh, we know he has that ability to also just be a pivotal role in that team. So I I think he'll really make waves in the the team that he would create if that does come to fruition.
1: Absolutely.
0: Looks like Existence and Scream are also in talks with some Red Reserves players. Uh, This is just sort of rumor ish. We don't have many details on it and it doesn't look like any real practicing or any real thoughts have come across, but the idea is there and it looks like it is on the plate. So perhaps we might see scream in existence on a new team.
1: Yeah. I think they were looking in talks with red reserve if I remember correctly, reading into that. Again, I know we talked about last week, Red Reserve is some, was having some organization issues. I don't know if that will uh, push away Scream or Existence accepting this offer. Maybe this is, you know, post taking care of those issues. Not really sure, but I'm sure Scream and Existence would really like to just get back onto a team and that, that you know, gets to go to these events and things like that.
0: Agreed. You know, I think, Especially Scream, you know, I want to see Scream mm-hmm. performing at the top level. I think he's too good, yeah, and not be on a starting lineup, yeah, for sure so in existence as well. I think he has a lot to prove and he has a lot to bring to the table.
1: He's a veteran man, he's been around for so long, so I think he just loves the game and just wants to keep playing you know as much as he can with a good team and good uh, players alongside him.
0: yeah, I think I think his heart's in the right place, definitely. And finally, along those same lines, it looks like Hunter currently facing issues with Valiance and has received uh, some sort of reach out from both Mouse Sports and FaZe. One of the more interesting items in that being that FaZe, since they recently picked up a Dren, what does that mean for the lineup? Are they looking to replace somebody? Is a Dren just a short-term fill-in?
1: Yeah, I, uh, from what I read, it, seemed, it almost seemed like it was suggested that Adren was, yeah, not a long-term pickup. He was more of a short-term for the for the major kind of pickup. I don't know if that's, you know, true or from the org or what have you, but that's kind of an interesting thing. I don't actually know that much about Hunter. I've never really seen him play. Uh, I know, you know, I've heard he's a pretty good player. He's a good fragger, but I don't know um, much else really, to be honest.
0: Yeah, so... um Jarek Lewis, better known as DK, gives us all of these roster change ups and switches from Dexerto. And, you know, it's his own words that he may we may see that Adren just gets replaced by Hunter um, because of this. We don't exactly know what that means for Hunter or for either organization. Mouse Sports being sort of a you know, he could just kind of slot in, right? You know, But with the whole shift with bringing Adran onto the team of FaZe, that seems to be like, well, well, are they making another change immediately? Like, who else on the team would they cut if they brought Hunter on? So we'll have to see how that all pans out.
1: Yep, there's a lot going on. A lot of actually really cool changes. You know, these are are interesting, fun changes that, you know, no one's really getting the short end of the stick, like we saw in Call of Duty for a couple weeks. This is all building new orgs restructuring orgs, orgs or you know picking up players to fill up a lineup except for you know phase we don't know the circumstances but beyond that it seems like these are all solid you know purposeful roster changes
0: yeah I agreed so moving on from counter strike we are going to go right into siege we're not going to spend too much time on it since we're going to Devote our major topic of the week to the six invitational roundup, but just some announcements we want to make on that uh, siege has announced uh quote unquote siege around the world. Uh, according to siege.gg, we now have different off season tournaments that are going to be happening, including the siege summer series.
1: Yeah, there's just a lot of really cool off season tournaments we can look forward to, you know, nothing huge, nothing super major, but it's just nice that we have some good competitive stage to, you know, watch and enjoy during the time that uh, we're off of our major and our league matches. It's just going to be fun. So there's stuff out there for everybody to kind of feast their eyes on while this is going down.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a note of uh, a point of reflection and observation that I want to make. Uh, we do have the cyber sports league community cup that's coming up. And let me just read off the teams. Uh, we have in. an, Five Saudi Arabian, one Iraqi, one Egyptian, and one Moroccan team. This wow. cup is entirely Middle Eastern and North African in terms of their locale. And that excites me because, you know, we're, we're reaching into places that, that we're recognizing that siege is a global game, right?
1: Right, yeah, we're, absolutely. We're reaching
0: all over the world and just to see all these teams just come together and all these people from all over the world come together for the game. It's just amazing to amazing to see amazing to look forward to. Absolutely. Furthermore, we have the year four season one designer notes, uh, and we will also get in touch with gridlock and Mozzie uh, while we talk about this, some big changes that are coming with this new update, not only with the two new operators and the new map Outback. But changes to Ash, yeah. changes to Maverick, changes to Dokka Well, let's just start from the top with Ash. Her ACOG has been removed from the R4C.
1: Yeah, that's honestly kind of a huge deal. I mean, you could just say, oh, you know, you just use the holographic instead. No big deal. But I mean, if you're using her, if you're using Ash, you're using the ACOG. So it's kind of it actually is a kind of an impactful change.
0: Yeah, I I actually as soon as I read this, when I was playing Siege, I just went ahead and took off the ACOG, started using the
1: That's holographic what I
0: did. just to just to get myself prepared for the yep. update. You know, I I'm not an ash main, you know, I actually have a brain, but <laughs> you know, I I think that you you see these changes and you just got to get yourself used to them ahead of time because once it actually comes about. That you have to make the change, it's just going to be sudden, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't want to just, you know, a cog, a cog, holographic. You want to have that nice transition to get into the the vibe of it.
0: Agreed. Furthermore, Maverick has now an increased swap time between his torch and weaponry. Now, for me, the first thing I think about is, well. I love playing Maverick, and I love going up to a wall and just making a hole and quickly swap into my rifle and peeking through and getting maybe one or two frags. So their entire reasoning, Ubisoft, uh, from this change is that it is difficult to counter. That that very play that I just described is difficult to counter. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it so Maverick makes that hole, and then it takes them a second to actually swap to the weapon so that gives defenders a an actual chance to set their eyes on the hole and prepare for the peak right
1: because there's been so many times where early in a match i go as fast as possible like just using um uh, clubhouse as an example you know you go to the back side and you burn a hole through the wall by a construction room and then you know i see a valkyrie throwing cams up or i see a bandit you know put you know shock in the walls and just tap them like immediately so this is one of those things where it's like that extra couple seconds is going to make the difference between me killing a player super early in a round or just getting killed
0: yeah and so i i don't know exactly how i feel about this i understand the sentiment Mm -hmm. but you know i figured one of maverick's main points of attack is making those peak holes. Absolutely. Cause you know, you can make peak holes in soft walls all day long, but it's, yeah. it takes, it's very special that Maverick can make peak holes in hard walls. And yes. so I think is like, this is really a big nerf to just him as a, as a character, him as an operator overall.
1: I, I think so too. Cause you have to be more cautious about it now. And in, I think this is a bit of an over-exaggeration what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to bring it up anyway. I don't i i I have a fear that you'll do this and then you can't you know react and kill someone and then you die now another teammate has to make use of this hole you made, and it makes Maverick require two operators to make use of, and I don't really like that again, a bit of an over exaggeration, but the possibility is certainly there, and i I don't know if I like that
0: yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying because I mean the, the increased time we'll have to see exactly how much it is
1: right, they don't give us a number on the actual notes.
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of it was increased. Like, well, gee, that could mean anything, you know. Right. It took maybe like a second or two to do it before, and now it take if it takes five, like, well, shoot, it's almost useless to use it to make peak holes now.
1: Right. You know and I don't, I mean? you know, I don't think they'll do that much. But again, it's just even even two seconds more would be, I think, a lot.
0: Agreed. We'll have to see how that shakes out, and once it hits. I believe it'll hit in the test server that is out now at, at the time of this recording. Right. Moving on to DokaB, one of the biggest complaints that I've heard across professionals and high-level players is that her phone calls, her logic bomb, does not automatically turn off they after never a given end. time. They're never ending. That is now changing, and after 18 seconds, the phone calls will hang up on their own.
1: That's still That's kind of a long time.
0: Yeah, it it feels like a long time, but you know, just to hold the angle for a little bit, mm-hmm. it probably won't be that big of a deal. No, I. Through.
1: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: And on top of that, they uh, buffed mute again by Thank god. A la- <laughs> if you guys haven't noticed, mute is the best operator in the entire game. Counters literally every character. Don't at me. Uh, being in range of mute jammers will now prevent the logic bomb from happening to you. And then walking into the range of a mute jammer will hang up your phone.
1: See, that one is the one that actually surprises me because mute jammer, you know, same thing with lion. If you're sitting in it and he drops his uh, E E O D or whatever, you don't get affected by it, but walking into it doesn't stop it. This is kind of insane. Oh, I got a call. Mm I'm 10 feet from my mute jammer. Walk in it, I'm good to go. Like, I mean, of course, you give up your position, but sometimes, whenever you get a dookie call, what do you do most of the time? You move because you, your position's gone. So now I can just move and end the call, and I, I don't have to, you know, put my gun yeah. away or anything. I think that's a big deal.
0: Oh, I agree, and, and there are some there are some angles. I'm thinking of theme park right now. Okay, where just immediately I'm thinking of how. There's the train, you have train, and then you have all of the soft walls that usually get put up, get reinforced on either side, and what do they do? They either get bandited or they get muted, so mm-hmm. that a thermite or a habana can't just tear those walls down. There are people who are going to be close to those walls on on those sites, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, if you're holding the long haul where the vending machine is, right, right, and right, and looking down at the stairs, there's going to be a mute chamber there now. And if your other team has a dokubi you don't care. You're basically like Echo 2.0. You know what I yeah. mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For well, that's another thing is we are talking about that transition from a cog to holographic. You know. Now, DokaBees are still going to be fairly reliant on those phone calls to work. Now, there's still going to be people who are just not used to it, you know, having the possibility to not work. So they're just, you know, oh, I don't hear a phone buzzing. There's no one here. Dead.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the most interesting things about this, it's going to make a difference in just ranked and in high level play. But I now see. Doka is going to have to be a sixth pick in pro league because think about this. If you are the defending team and you see that the attackers have a Doka mm-hmm. you're going to sixth pick mute, right? I would think so. You know, this is just too strong of a buff for mute to just say, no, nah, we're not going to take him. Like, are, are you kidding me? Plus, I he just like, does
1: a lot anyway.
0: Yeah. He's just useful anyway. And so I, I think, I think the whole walking into the range of mute jammers might just be too much. Um, but I'm not sure 100% about that. I'll have to see how it plays out. Right. I'm
1: just going to add this quick little sidebar just super quick. Cause I don't want to get into it a lot right now, but you know, the reveal with the new operators, um, Mozzie's new ability where he can steal drones. If they're in a mute jammer, makes it a lot easier for him to do that. That's just another reason you could run mute. Like mute's just getting better, I think.
0: Yeah, I think mute is just Well, not silently. He just he just is one of the most useful and, and it's I hate to say it, an operator doesn't have to be useful. But he has a gadget that just does a lot by itself. It's almost there's almost no reason to not consider him. Yeah, when, absolutely. When yeah. So moving on from Doka B, we now have Capital. I love playing Capital, and I'm actually really excited about this change. His fire arrows are getting an increased. I think it's all arrows actually are getting increased yeah. area of effect size. So what that means is that not only do they spread out farther. But Ubisoft has made it so where if you shoot the arrow on top of, let's say, a balcony or on the roof or somewhere, if it is close to the edge, it'll actually fall down to the next level.
1: yeah, there's like variable height,
0: now. yes. Uh, now with that chain with that increase in size, they reduced the damage from nineteen to twelve per tick. So it'll take enemies longer to get out of. But it will do less damage per tick. So I think that's a very fair and even trade-off.
1: Yeah. I think honestly it actually just is I'm fine giving up the damage because at the end of the day, Capital, you don't really want to the damage isn't why you're running him. It's to you know mess up the positioning of your opponents. And making the area of the effects area of effect size bigger, that does that better. So I I think this just makes Capital better because it forces your enemies to reposition even further or more difficult or in a more difficult way
0: agreed so pretty simple change with capital it's going to change the way i'm like i said i'm excited about it because i'm going to be able to clear more rooms out and just mess up positions and give myself ways into the site we'll have to see exactly how it pans out clash simple change remove the muzzle brake from her pistol on the machine pistol specifically since it's now fully automatic they removed the muzzle break as it just basically doesn't
1: do anything. Really, doesn't do anything. Now. Yeah, yeah. Sim- simple as yeah. that. They're really straightforward on that update, so won't stick along, stick too long on that.
0: Yep, uh, Legion also having a change in uh, the Goo Mines now doing reduced damage from eight to four.
1: So I want to take the lead on this one here because I they say quote Legion is currently very strong. And We believe that this has to do with the total amount of damage that Goo Mines can inflict to player combined with preventing sprint and diffuser planting actions so i don't think honestly it's the damage i think it's that he has so dang many of them and they're invisible like i don't the, the four to eight sure that's definitely helpful but i think the real issue with Legion's power level is you can just chuck the goo mines through the entire map and have so many of them out i don't think the damage is the big problem
0: i think i'm gonna i'm gonna say I agree, but not fully. Okay. I agree that the damage I don't think is the problem. I think the fact that it slows you down and prevents you from planting. I feel like if there's anything that prevents you from being able to plant the diffuser, it shouldn't be in the game.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I kind of agree with you there because it's just really frustrating. like Legion is honestly like the strongest counter to any play a team can make, cause it's like, all right, guys, let's go into site now. You know, three goo mines go off. The entire play is shut down, and he basically did it for free, really. So and in a way,
0: yeah. He didn't ha- he didn't have to actually do anything. He just had to place these mines. And so I, I think ultimately the problem with Legion is that a lot of the times it comes down to these 20 second pushes. And if you're just hitting mines, the guy with the diffusers just keeps hitting mines. It takes, you know what? Three seconds to remove a needle.
1: Yeah. Two, two, three seconds, something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like that is valuable time wasted.
1: And it's honestly just frustrating. It's like not fun to play. So we talked about that before. I don't want to go into too big of a tangent. It might be a good topic. It's just like, What's the difference between a level of competition with a good operator and just the fun of it? It's just not fun to get Goo mined four times in a row. It's just mm-hmm. really frustrating and not good gameplay. I think.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's it's just very limiting to what you can do on a on the basis of the game, like be, not being able to sprint, not being able to plant the bomb. I, I would be fine with not being able to sprint, if I could still just take the damage while I planted, you know, while I planted the diffuser. So I, I, I think their, their heart is in the right place with trying to change the Cause I've, I see him all banned quite a bit.
1: Yeah. He's nuts. They need to do something. I just don't know if this was the best thing they could have done.
0: Yeah. I think this is a, this might be just a little bit off the mark, at least from our opinions. Agreed. Moving on, uh, this is not necessarily an operator change, but it is uh, going to change the way some operators are played. Breaching charges are now deployed much faster. Uh, the damage that is done from the attacker's, size, attacker's side of the breach charge reduced from one hundred and fifty to fifty. That's important to note. There are some times where it's kind of a just a you know casual or multi like matchmaking play, but you would place a breaching charge on the diffuser
1: yep, no, you're gonna say that. It,
0: and then blow it up. As soon as you hear, him diffusing it and kill the guy. Well, uh, if, unless they're less than 50 HP, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. So just an interesting note, the area effect of damage on the defender side is increased, but the lethal damage is reduced. So, basically, they made all of these changes to, quote, make the breach charge safer and more comfortable for the attackers to use. Now, I don't know about you, but there are very few operators that I actually have my kit set up to have regular breach charges.
1: Yeah, I I mean, they're useful, but you're probably running an operator that's going to get you through anyway.
0: Yeah, so I don't know exactly what that means or how exactly it's going to change things. Cause I think I have, I literally have one attacker that has breach charges and I think it's Twitch. I think that, and I think that's it. So I, yeah, now granted I do play a lot of Habana, so I guess that's probably why. Cause I, I, I just play the hard breacher anyway, you know, whatever. Anyway, moving on to status of actual gadgets. We have a change in deployable shield. It's very awkward to place, and Ubisoft has recognized this, and they've changed the way that it can be placed. Uh, Shield operators, they're also looking at how to address our Blitz, our Montane, our other operators that have a shield to make them more of a teamwork and tactical operator on the attacking side rather than just favoring gunfights. So... That change is coming as well. Then we have some operator changes that are in the rework. So Lion, still a big rework of him entirely coming out. Glass, they want to change him uh, to not make him so entry frag-like. Uh, they want to change him back to the way he was, the sniper sniper roll, and I believe that includes taking his thermal out. So we'll see exactly how that, uh, how that plays out. And then finally, Blitz, uh, they are going to increase the amount of time it takes for him to aim down the sights of his pistol as a way to alleviate the, just as quick as he moves around, you know, one of the most frustrating things for people is blitzes in your face, flashes you immediately aims down sights, and just kills you.
1: Well, that pretty much wraps up the designer notes for Siege. Um, Moving along there, we obviously got a reveal for Operation Burnt Horizon. We now have seen Gridlock and Mozzie, which is pretty exciting. And we're going to wait to talk about them uh, for a future episode once. The Katowice Major has wrapped up, so we'll be bringing that to you in just about a couple weeks. Uh, Anything you want to say on that before we move on to the next uh, little news here,
0: Jacob? Yeah, just one little note that I want to make. I'm very excited about both of these operators. Uh, They do something that is very counter to what you think they would do. You would think they would almost be trading places uh, with the way that their gadgets work, Uh, maybe less so with Mozzie, but roles seem to have swapped in yeah, the, in, this, in this patch. Yeah, the so attacker
1: that, feels like a defender, the defender feels like an attacker sort of kind of.
0: Yep, that's exactly the way I would put it and that's basically what I'll leave it at for this time being and like it, like we said we're going to revisit this after the Kadevej Major is completely uh finished and done and about at that time the update will be live.
1: So we'll have kind of a context about a week of it affecting, you know, multiplayer. So that'd be kind of a fun way to talk about it. You know, what has what, what our experience been over the week it's finally released and stuff like that? I think that would be a cool way to do it.
0: Agreed. So I look forward to having that episode. But for right now, we know that Burnt Horizon is on the horizon and we have three more seasons for the rest of the year that Ubisoft has given us in our roadmap season two we have a map reworked in cafe it's going to be redone going to be changed in summer garden looks like we're getting two operators one being an american and one being uh remind me what flag is that i believe that's the
1: danish flag
0: i believe you are correct uh, any comments you have there
1: um, I honestly really like cafe the way it is, if I'm being honest. So I'm, <laughs> I, I really like cafe. So I'm interested to, to see what they do with it. Um, I'm always excited. I don't think they do anything wrong with any map updates or anything like that. I'm, I'm just pumped. So I I put it this way. I really like what they did with Hereford base. I love Hereford base now. So that gives me confidence in what they'll do with cafe.
0: Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Hereford base, but I wasn't before. So I don't know. I'm waiting to see what they do to Cafe and I kind of like playing it the way it is. Yeah, that's right what I'm now. saying,
1: man. It's I, good map.
0: You know, I know there's a lot of varying opinions on that, but personally, I just love taking Skylight. Yeah. You know, I there's some enjoyment about me holding tight angles on Skylight and just getting kills that I probably shouldn't. Yeah,
1: and that's one of those maps where I'm just super comfortable no matter what site I'm on. I know what operator I'm going to play and I'm I personally think I play them well. So I just, I'm really comfortable in that map. So I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to see exactly what season two holds for us. Season three, again, the usual two operators, but another map rework in Canal. Canal is one of those maps that I, I
1: absolutely honestly,
0: hate. Yes.
1: Yeah, I don't like Canats really bad. <laughs> Every time we get it, I'm like, there's a reason this isn't in competitive gameplay, because it's not good.
0: It just seems way too long of a map. Yeah, it's
1: just way too much, and it's really awkward.
0: It's 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 pretty much two maps in one. Yeah, and, and, and it's I, just
1: too much, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that's I think they could do really good in their rework, but I think they really have to either limit the verticality of it. Cause it's still a three, four map.
1: Yeah. And there's like two buildings. So it's and like there's two floors. separate
0: buildings connected by one walkway.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh,
0: yeah, there's just, there's just a lot there. And, you know, especially in competitive, there's no way you can clear that entire site in two minutes and expect to win.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. along with that, you know, we have our typical two operators, like you said, and I believe these operators are from, uh, Peru. And Mexico, I think those are the two flags. So that's kind of yeah, cool.
0: I agreed. So, I, I I'm interested as to why they're doing like the sort of mix up again. You yeah, know, I, I know we had we kind of had that for like outbreak with Lion and Finca, where they're that's not. Fr- and same with Grimsky actually because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Clash is from you know the UK and uh, Maverick was from the States, but I'm, I'm interested that they're really, they're diving in on this sort of concept, like not necessarily nationalistic uh, organizations that represent a certain country, but they're representing like entire organizations.
1: Yeah. They're like part of the, like the rainbow six kind of lore organizations, which I think is pretty cool.
0: So we'll have to see exactly what they come out with that. Mm -hmm. And then finally season four, another map rework in theme park.
1: Wow, so no new maps. That's well, I guess Outbreak or Outback, sorry, is our new map for this year. So it's kinda interesting. They're bring that right in the forefront of it, but no complaints. I'm actually Theme Park I have a love-hate relationship. I could I think it needs a rework. It's okay. I don't know what your thought is on that.
0: You know, I like playing theme park. Until the until the game actually ends. (laughs) So when the game starts I think I'm going to enjoy myself, and then by and the then, end of it, I just hate my.
1: That's honestly, that's that's pretty accurate, because when I get theme park, I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I, I in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do when I go to this site. I know what operator I'll probably play when we're playing Meth
0: Lab or whatever. And but, guess what? It never happens that way.
1: No, it never does, and I'll usually get trashed, or at least in my experience, I get freaking trashed on it, and I'm just like, wow, that was just a total waste of time. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I just hate theme park and don't know it.
0: Uh, I probably do, and I just try to tell myself that I like it. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just like playing sledge, and I get to play sledge on that that's map true. a lot. He's fun on so, that map.
1: It says Buck. I like Buck on there too.
0: So maybe it's just a operator preference.
1: Yep. Hey, oh, and speaking of operators, the two operators we'll be seeing in season four with the theme park rework is an operator from Kenya and an operator from I believe that's India. That's cool. That's a cool combination.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very not centralized. You know what I mean? They're uh-huh. th- those are those are pretty far apart. In yeah. terms of geography. So, well, I guess the US and uh um
1: Denmark has Yeah, Denmark, it's, pretty, yeah it's, it's pretty far. Yeah. A lot of mix-ups. That's cool, though. But along with this entire roadmap, they have revealed they will be doing operator balances throughout, as usual. They'll be analyzing player behavior and making changes based on that, and adding new playlists for us to enjoy. So, it seems like, overall, pretty straightforward, normal season. Nothing too insane. Kind of disappointed not seeing an event like outbreaks. I really, really enjoyed Outbreak, so... I mean, I do see this mid-season event flag, but it's not highlighted super extreme like Outbreak was. Like that was like, whoa, Outbreak! But I don't see anything like that on the roadmap, so yeah, I don't know so if we'll see anything like it.
0: Don't know. I, I I'm not exactly sure what they mean by event either. That could yeah, mean yeah. I don't know. You know, all I hope is that by playlist is that they just make the SI playlist year round. Yeah, permanent, please, because I love <laughs> it's I so love good, playing no. it. It's it is so pretty great. toxic sometimes, but you know, yeah, you meet some people great. in there who actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. And that's know well. the game at a little bit better than maybe our peers. I just love it. I just, I just have such a good time. Well, that wraps up our weekly news for rainbow six. We're going to talk more about the six invitational in our major topic for the day, but for now we're going to hop into call of duty, uh, the CWL pro league. What are our roundups uh, for the week?
1: So, yep, another really good week in Division A. Um, the leading the leaders in the standings for this week are now Genji, uh 6 and 1 in first. Midnight dropped to second at 5 and 2. Optic is 4-3 in and third, and the X-Red Reserve lineup is fourth at 4-3 four, right now as well. So, that is our second week for Division A. You can expect this week to entail and the following week to entail Division B matchups. So you can get all of that information on those matchups. Um, we'll link that in the description. But overall, that's your roundup for this week because we don't want to cover you know 12 to 16 games. We could do an entire episode on that. So for now, we're just going to move on through to our other Call of Duty news.
0: It should be noted that in fourth, again, is the X red Reserve lineup. Well, it looks like they might have a new organization uh, as quickly as they left their old one. Uh, it may be close to joining ghost gaming the full squad and we'll have to see exactly how that pans out but according to unofficial reports uh ghost gaming is one of the prominent orgs that are looking to pick up the roster the other two organizations are g2 esports and FaZe clan so it looks like our x red reserve boys they're going to get an offer at some point they have some interest
1: yeah that's good that's good to hear because that from their their point you know that would kind of that, that would just suck kind of to have your org do some kind of bad things behind your back. We don't know all the circumstances, but again, we talked about it last episode, you know, they weren't treated the best or what have you happened in the organization. So I'm just glad to see them get back with a healthy org.
0: Agreed. So, And the fact that they're high, higher on the list of the group A yeah. teams right now, you know, they're not a bad team. They're a good team. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think they deserve a spot. Agreed. deserve an organization. Moving on, the Gentleman's Agreement coming back up in the news. Another weapon has been added to it. Yep. Christian, do you have any more news on that?
1: Yep, they added the Mozu pistol, which, um, like I said, like we just were talking about, they just added the stock, too, for the SOG to the Gentleman's Agreement. So this is like the second edition within the month or the past two months, which... um that's kind of a big de- big deal. So the Mozu pistol, the big thing is it's almost a guaranteed sidearm for snipers in Call of Duty because it's really easy to swap to. It does high damage at close range. It's just a really solid backup. And I think the issues were coming from just sniper you know, players that use snipers were just really good at close and long range. It was becoming hard to deal with them. I'm not too positive on all the, uh, you know, background for why it happened, but uh, it just, it was added to the gentleman's agreement. So it's kind of a big deal. Again, I I, hear soon. We want to definitely have an episode talking about the gentleman's agreement and just a gentleman's agreement based in esports. just because it seems to, it's a big deal when something gets added to it actually. And, whether it should or shouldn't be is something should, that would be a good topic.
0: Yeah, I think that it's getting too common in Call of Duty at the very least that things just get thrown onto this gentleman's agreement. Yeah. What are they going to have left to use? You know what yeah, I mean?
1: Yeah, I no, Yeah, I was definitely thinking about that when reading this article.
0: It, it just feels like, and I understand the sentiment, right? You want to, the players are taking the balancing of the game into their own hands. While I think that's not necessarily a good way of, handling the situation. I understand why they're doing it. So we'll have to keep an eye on this gentleman's agreement. How long does this list get? That—that That is my first question. Yeah. Because eventually I think it's going to come to a point of just complete unreliability, right?
1: Yeah, I think you know, so too.
0: When you're creating your classes, what can you put on and what can you not put on? And are your decisions going to come under fire for having something that's still too powerful? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just,
1: yeah, I don't know. The whole organization, like the whole community, kind of a, the pro community agrees typically on what should be added but I gotta tell you, if I was able to make a gentleman's agreement for the games I played, there'd be a lot of stuff just not on there because I hate it and I feel like this is becoming that in a way. They're, it's becoming a little less professional and it's just like oh, this gun's really annoying. Let's just put it on there. I'm sick of dealing with it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it becomes a fine line of how exactly do you go about making this list and at what point do you say, "Well, I just don't like this," you right. know, I, "I just don't like using this or whatever." So, again, gentlemen's agreement: if it's on there, it means that probably more than one person agreed to put it on there. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that ends up. Who ends up deciding whether or not to finally put it on? You know, if they have some sort of like council or panel. Yeah, there.
1: there's a committee, or I, I don't know either.
0: You know, knights of the round table. You know, they just <laughs> yeah. like, decide which country they're going to you know, pillage and take next, but regardless of the gentlemen's agreement, uh, furthermore in black ops four, we have a new operation coming out. Uh, details have been unveiled before it's released. It is, we are going into operation grand heist and it is scheduled for release. Well, today. Yep.
1: Uh, So it seems from the teasers, we're getting kind of a cops and robbers kind of vibe going on. Uh, A couple episodes ago, we talked about potential leak of maps called Casino and Station. And those leaks seem to come forth because the teasers for it were video cameras, you know, security cameras looking over a police station and a casino. So that came to fruition. And that's kind of the vibe we got going on in Operation Grand Heist.
0: Not many more details have been spoiled or leaked on the operation. We'll continue to cover it as details get leaked and as uh, many more items come out concerning the new operation. Furthermore, in Black Ops 4, Treyarch is reviewing an update or previewing, rather, a multiplayer balancing update for weapons, specialists, perks, and score streaks. I should have just said everything because, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, that's really. what it would have been about.
1: Yeah, I mean. So we're, we're absolutely not going to go through this entire update because there is so, I was honestly baffled by the number of changes they had on here. So we'll link that in the description for you guys to dig through all of it. It's ridiculous. Light machine guns, snipers, tactical rifles, assault rifles, everything's seen a change. Uh, The big deal is the Maddox though. So I'll go through that just really quick because the Maddox is, you know, one of the biggest guns that sees competitive play. So, just as quickly as possible, they've reduced recoil stability in the first five shots and bullet pattern. Uh, The Echo Fire Operator mod improved recoil stability. The Quick Draw, they reduced the ADS in speed. And Quick Draw 2, they also reduced the ADS in speed. Stock reduced ADS move speed. Yellow reduced recoil stability and then only on consoles they reduced max damage range from 23.6 yards and 20.2 20.8 yards and on pc they improved the ads sway and on pc only they've improved hip fire accuracy i guess that just comes down to you know mouse and keyboard versus controller whether those changes were applied to that platform or not but overall that is your maddox um, balance changes
0: and that's only one gun, guys, so yeah, that just, was one gun. just recognize that this entire list is your classes are not going to feel the same. no, absolutely not so let's let's just make that clear and p c is getting a lot of uh interesting updates. a lot of the rifles, a lot of the guns are just removing the aim down sight sway so that you know when you're aiming down sights how you kind of like breathe and you move with it, I think that's a more hey this is a competitive shooter yeah. sort of you look at, you know, cause all of your other shooters don't do that. Um, and improved hit fire accuracy. I'm not exactly sure why yeah. that, that matters, but I,
1: yeah, I don't know either.
0: Anyway, point is, is that a lot of guns are seeing not just one, but multiple changes. Mm -hmm. across the line
1: and it's that same Um, with equipment and score streaks too like it's all seeing so many changes
0: yeah so uh we'll like we said we'll link it in the description box below so that you can take a look uh, for yourself at all the changes that are happening finally we have a city-based franchise league for call of duty similar to that of the overwatch league that is happening we now are getting a Call of Duty League that is similar to that in some regard. What kind yeah, of news do we have on that?
1: That is just so exciting I think because honestly I love how Overwatch has their league set up. I love the city-based competition. I'm, you, you and I were not that into Overwatch competitive scene. We just It's just not our thing. But we have to give them props uh, for just setting it up in such a great way with the different teams and across the different cities across the world. It's just super cool. And you know, it's so great to see that come to Call of Duty. And looking into it, the, one of the big reasons behind this is they want to franchise the teams, and in this way, they can kind of prevent the unhealthy environment that comes post-qualifier that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, where you know teams just fall apart, lineups get swapped, players are left without a team, players get replaced on teams. It's just a really unhealthy environment. So we're really excited to see this kind of setup come to call of duty because it, it, it kind of stops those things from happening to some degree, or at least makes it a lot more of a healthier uh, format to go about changing teams and so on and so forth. So I, I just cannot be more excited for this to finally be put together and see it on stream. I'm just really excited.
0: I think this is the next step for eSports sports Honestly, I the fact that it, you know, we have all of our, and this is from an American perspective. So I have to think of it in this way, yeah. but we have like, the new then football, for example, then the NFL. Mm -hmm. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, we have the New York Jets, we have the Cincinnati Bengals, we have the New England Patriots, we have, you know, Kansas. I can go on and on, all the teams. And that is what esports I think is missing. You know, sure we have organizations, and you know, those same organizations are, you know, the for the New England Patriots as an example, that's still an organization, right? but ultimately it's not representing necessarily anything other than a brand.
1: It's like a franchise within an overarching, you know, company, the
0: NFL. Correct. They they are their own
1: franchise, but they're embedded in this massive organization.
0: Well, yes, but I was more getting at the fact that the Patriots now represent New England in a way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right, right, Right. Yeah. They're New England's team. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So now we have this instance where you know, I think this is really important for esports because now you can have sort of a, a loyalty to a team that's from the area that you are. It's like a hometown
1: spirit kind of thing.
0: Exactly. So I think for North for North American more so than I think other regions, this is a very targeted and important move to make because it allows you know, you can still keep your high level professional organizations but then just have like a premier league of teams that are just from the area. Yeah. And there's a national championship, you know, that, that would be cool.
1: I mean, yeah, I think, cause I remember a few years ago, again, this could totally be a topic, you know, it's improved over the years, but just the sheer number of leagues and tournaments and majors that were going on in counter-strike, it was just honestly causing unhealthy living habits for players that was just bad. It's just so much, so disorganized, too much going on for players and viewers alike. It just you know, centralizing into one league that's city based, I think is so awesome and so healthy for everyone in the community.
0: Agreed. So I, I think the changes that Activision wants to make, and we talked about we talked a little bad about Activision last week, so I'm gonna, you know, preface the statement with that. But I think this is a very positive move,
1: right? This is more in again, for their game. Yeah. Last week was more of a game industry marketing. You know, how do they, how do they market and make money in their games? This is a little different. This is more of a public, you know, esports competitive type of change. And it seems they are definitely working well in that regard, especially, you know, their Activision Blizzard blizzard did it really successfully with overwatch so you know they have a good reference and team probably to work with to make this happen
0: i think they have something really good on their hands and we'll have to see how they deliver on that yep moving right into our major topic of the day of the episode of the week of whatever you want to call this shindig that we have rolling on here we have the sixth invitational that just ended as we said at the beginning Of the episode, congratulations to G2 Esports, who are dominating. And quite frankly, they destroyed my bracket. My March Madness is over. I'm not going to even submit one for basketball because it's going to suck just like this one did. And I'm just kidding. But that doesn't change the fact that we were wrong almost in every regard, except I wasn't because Team Empire made it to the finals. Soup was wrong in every regard. So you can make fun of him on Twitter or in the comments, however you want to do so, however it seems fit.
1: Not cool. Not cool, man.
0: (laughs) Definitely cool. Anyway, again, G2 Esports taking it down pretty handily. We'll talk about the finals near the end of this episode. In second place, obviously, we had Team Empire making a big run in Pro League, making a big scene in the European Siege realm just coming out of seemingly nowhere out of thin air and just rolling over everybody who came in their path to they definitely the yeah to make it all the way to the finals to well to fall to arguably well not arguably at this point the best team in rainbow six
1: yeah it was crazy because empire just blasted through everybody and then just got oh three by g2 like uh, you that know was crazy
0: the thing that I heard while watching the event was that they've never been here.
1: That's true. I, I feel I know we discussed that a lot in the a couple episodes ago, but I remember bringing up like experience was going to be a big deal at this tournament, and I think that final showed that.
0: I I think the final finally came to show that experience matters
1: yeah. because
0: Team Empire just looked scattered. You know, they put on an awesome first game on Coastline. That was but, insane. But I think another note that was brought up was endurance. That's true. You know, um,
1: Best of five are long.
0: Yeah. So those, those two words, I think, defined this final game that happened on Sunday between Team Empire and G2 Esports. Two words, endurance and experience. Absolutely, dude. Endurance. Because I think after that game one, I think Team Empire was just toasted. They were gassed. They were gassed. They put everything they had into that game just to lose it, and then they couldn't bring themselves together to string anything else up. I think it, I, I honestly think the, some of their hope left. The tilt factor was
1: there too. I'm sure.
0: You know, we don't want to talk too much about them or what they were feeling because obviously we don't know that. We could, we're, we're only viewers of mm-hmm. what what happened. But if I was in their position, that's what I think would come over me. Was, you know, I I'm tired. That was yeah. a long game.
1: Yeah, I'm tired after one normal game of siege, level of like twelve <laughs> to ten. Knowing I got a best of five, I'm in the middle of. You know.
0: Listen, if you play with us, we got one good game in us, dude. We're like we're like old men. We got to get to <laughs> we got to get to bed on time. It's true. like, you know, it's that's one of the problems that I think team empire has yet to come over because the games that they are winning, they're winning pretty handily. Yeah. And
1: they're, they weren't against bad teams, By I mean, they played Nora, Nora Rango in the semis who also is dominating most of this, the series.
0: Agreed. So we're going to come back to the finals again in third and in fourth, we had team reciprocity and Nora Rango as already mentioned team reciprocity I think, surprising us in some regard, uh, Uh, taking down evil geniuses in the quarters. And then obviously Rogue not being just being kicked out from the group stage and then Space Station falling to G2 Esports. Mm -hmm. So with that, we're actually just going to jump right back to the beginning. And how did we get to G2 Esports winning the major? Starting with Group A, teams that made it out were Team Reciprocity and Fnatic. Any surprises there? Um,
1: I was kind of I was disappointed to see Nip not win a single game. I know you we were kind of excited about yeah. that. Yeah, I was I was surprised I think to see Phase only get one, but I think at the end of the day, we wanted Nip to go, but I think Fnatic and Reciprocity were actually our picks to get through it if I remember correctly, and they did. And, you know, I think Reciprocity, they, they did really well. The thing is, they played really, really textbook siege and kind of repetitive siege most of the tournament, which, you know, they're fundamentals. That's how you yeah, that's how you win, but they didn't do anything flashy. And I think at the end of the day, G2 is just such a, a strong uh, strategy-based team that they just outplayed those textbook plays.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they... They were just ready for them.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: They they knew all the motions of the regular plays. It's like, mm-hmm. well, exactly. How, like how you, wrest- you just counter it. Like, you know, yeah, and, like and how do you counter philosophy. a counter?
1: Yeah, so many times they would just do the same plays over and over on, like, uh, Consulate, for example, you know, taking Garage. They would take Garage the exact same way, stack, f- you know, four outside the garage, and then one go down yellow or something like that. Like, it was so textbook, and it's like, G2 just counters it. They just know how to beat those plays because it's so standard. And I think that's what eventually led to their defeat much later in the semifinals.
0: Yeah. So I I think Fnatic was the best team in that mm. group. Mm. And it obviously shows, you know, they were the first in their group, the first seat in their group to make it out. And then Team Reciprocity, you know, obviously making it to uh, the semis. And then falling to G2 Esports. Yep. And which, then, uh, you know, no one can blame them if that's the case.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they won the whole thing. There's no, no, definitely no blame there. And then Fnatic, you know, they got up to the quarters and were defeated by Norango, Nora which Norango Nora were so hype, so positive this tournament. I think the sheer just, just again, hype was pushing them so hard. And then just obviously great players, but they were so excited, dude. It was so fun to watch them play. And I think that played into a, a big factor of how they got through this tournament.
0: Agreed. And, you know, just I was talking about how bad some of my predictions were. were at least they weren't as bad as Soup's here for claiming that Immortals was somehow going to win the tournament and they didn't even make it out of groups. Look. So. <laughs>
1: hey, I've, I, mean, I can make mistakes, dude. It's fine.
0: Listen, if this guy ever puts out any sort of bracket and then puts money on it, do the exact opposite and I bet you'll win more money.
1: He's not wrong.
0: <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, seriousness, we had sort of a a lack in performance from Immortals. I was actually pretty surprised that they didn't do better.
1: I thought they would at least get one. Come on, you
0: they know? did get one. They did get one.
1: I thought they got o three. They they have no,
0: the... no Rogue got o three.
1: Oh, that's why I thought you were talking about Rogues. Oh, Immortals, you said.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah you I had know. Immortals to win the whole tournament, right?
1: No, I had them lose to Evil Geniuses in the final, which at least Evil Geniuses 3-0'd and got to the quarters.
0: Well, I don't have any of my information, correct, but let's just, you know... It doesn't matter because neither of the two teams that he had going to the finals actually made it to the finals, whereas I had one, so therefore, my predictions are better. Heard it here first.
1: Sure, yes, that's right. (laughs) You're right. Anyway, moving on to Group B... (laughs) Let's talk about this. Rogue not getting a single win. That is disappointing.
0: Yeah, sad. It, it makes me makes me cry uh, to just see them go out so early. Because I, I don't know, man. I think maybe it's just a, a biased opinion. But I like Rogue. And I thought they could do better than what they did. Now, yeah. spa- Space Station and Team Empire are obviously just... I think we talked about this. Group B is just kind of like stacked.
1: Yeah, it was. It feels
0: like. Um, and so whatever way it went. You know, the the people who actually went through the group probably deserved to be going through. I would say so. But at the end of the day, it's kind of sad to see. Rogue not even put up a single match.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will hold off on how Empire progressed because obviously they went to the end, so we'll get to that in a second. But Space game, space Station Gaming, uh, they went through and then lost to G2. So again, that's one of those, you know, they won the whole thing. <laughs> it's the so story it's-
0: of our lives, right? So Group C is uh, up next, and here is the group that G2 is actually part of alongside of Team Liquid. So I will submit this. I had Team Liquid going and taking the entire thing. They actually lost uh, in the final playoffs bracket, and they lost to Team Empire. Yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I think if the I think if the seating worked out a little bit differently, and maybe they played either Fnatic or Nora Rango, I bet they would have made it um, at least to semis, and maybe even to finals. So, I'm not exactly sure. I would have liked to see Norango Rango against Team Empire in the quarters. And I think that, I think if that was the case, you know, we would have seen a way different, well, we probably wouldn't see a different winner in G2 esports.
1: I think that's that's true, for sure.
0: But maybe, I don't know, I just can't help but think, going back to the experience and endurance uh, issue, you know, Liquid has beaten G2 before.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Maybe we could have seen a... You know, not no three, but we won't dwell on that for too long. G two esports obviously coming out of the gates, just winning all their matches. Mantis FPS, the underdog that I said I wanted to see, didn't put up any results. So yeah, I'll, I know. I know I better.
1: Us, yeah, I remember us talking about we didn't we didn't know much about them, and for all we knew, they could have came out there and just won it all. But obviously, I guess. You know, I don't want to put them down, but I guess there's a reason we haven't heard too much about them because they didn't pull through this time around, but doesn't mean they can't change it up next time. We've seen Rogue go insane and they perform just exactly the same. You know what I mean? So for all we know, Mantis could come back just better. Learn from this next time.
0: Yeah, and I think to just sort of look at other games and see a a comparable. A comparable team. We see Tyloo and Counter Strike Uh when they first came on the scene. We didn't expect them to do much. But now. They've come a few times, and they continue to show us that, you know, hey, we, we're we better than you guys think. You know, we still have a lot of work to do and a lot of growing to do, but we're still holding our own.
1: They've literally gotten better at every tournament they've shown up at.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. only going to take, I think, maybe one or two more majors for them to really to really make a, make a stand for themselves.
1: I would say next major, if they get into it, through qualif- I, I think they'll have to qualify this time since they didn't get out of the challenger's uh, stage. But assuming they do qualify, I could see them actually going to the playoffs this time.
0: Yeah, and so I think Mantis is sort of in the same boat. They have a lot of growing to do. They mm-hmm. have a lot of experience to gain and a lot of endurance to build up and at that point we might see them actually put up results. Yep. Market Esports, I they go out having lost two and only winning one. So honestly, I think the best two teams out of Group C came out of came out of there and went yeah, to the playoffs.
1: They were our picks, so yeah. definitely.
0: So No more conversation needed there. And then the same seems to be true with group D in that evil geniuses lead that group, hitting up uh, three wins. Nor Rango, uh, close behind and then Penta, Endless Dream, being knocked out of the groups.
1: Yeah, so when I saw the Evil Geniuses had 3 the group in the groups, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually going to happen. Are my predictions going to be right? Is NA going to do this? I was getting so pumped. Yeah, and then, so, okay, I saw them (laughs) go up against Reciprocity, and I'm just like, they got to beat Reciprocity, right? Like, NA versus NA, I'm happy either way. Excuse me. But I'm just thinking, you know, Evil Geniuses is going to just, blast reciprocity right and they didn't they got two one and it just leads me to think if evil geniuses had gone through would they have beaten g2 in the semifinals
0: you know it's hindsight is always 2020 is what they say and at this point we can't necessarily say that that would have happened because obviously it didn't right mm-hmm. something happened with eg and they just dropped the ball and couldn't couldn't squeak out that win against reciprocity um and them taking it to three maps as well. Like yeah. they weren't able to win it twice. And since they're both NA teams, they have experience playing against each other, scrimming against each other. So you would have thought you would have thought that, you know, maybe maybe reciprocity just beat EG at their own game. You know what I'm saying? They were metagaming to play against an NA team in the finals. Yeah, I mean, could that have been the case, you know? They were they're practicing for the 6 Invitational against other NA teams and that's why you see reciprocity squeaking it out against EG but then getting 2 0 by G2. Yeah,
1: that's I mean, cuz think about it. If you have the opportunity to practice for a major, let's say you're, you know, pretty good at playing NA teams cuz you play them all the time and then you're decent at, you know, other regions. You probably are just gonna push that NA to be perfect. You know, it's you know, you don't want to be a jack of all trades. You're gonna bend. You're gonna uh, invest in what you already know to get perfect at it. So that's I feel like that's what they did in the practice. Is you know, we know NA. Let's perfect it and beat any NA team we're up against.
0: And I, I think it's interesting to think about that because of their group that they were that they were in. Mm-hmm. they didn't play a lot of NA teams.
1: That's true. But I guess maybe they were just confident. We'll get out of groups. You know, we can get out of groups after that. Let's see where we go. And that's what they planned for.
0: Perhaps, but they didn't plan for G2. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, with that being said, we finished up our groups and we'll go into our quarters. But let's just suffice by saying that you should probably be prepared for G2 and recognize... At point in time. Yeah, and recognize that they have the skill and the ability to beat you. And so yeah. it's going to it's gonna be an uphill battle. Our first quarterfinal ended up being Fnatic versus Nor Rango. Nor Rango pretty handily deciding that game 2-0. to zero.
1: Yeah, I think just Nor Rango honestly was just better than Fnatic. And the Fnatic's one of those pretty good teams, but like... I don't, they don't do anything super spectacular that I've seen. They win matches, but they don't decimate or, you know, they don't pull out crazy plays. I think Nora Ranga just brought to the table all these super awesome plays and just, you know, meta that Fnatic is not used to and just kind of blew them out of the water.
0: Yeah, I I don't think there was much at all in terms of real competitiveness in that game. Like, you know, Fnatic just kind of lost. You know, yep. it was so kind of like, I mean, there's nothing much more to it. Our second quarterfinal team empire versus team liquid. We had more of a fight here. Team empire ends up winning two to one against a liquid and then moving on to phase norrango in the semis. This is the game that just kind of, well, it destroyed my hopes and dreams of liquid winning. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't argue with the fact that Team Empire is probably just the best, one of the best, if not top five, maybe even top three-ish in the world. I I think so. I think that they actually were heavily advantaged in the fact that they are a very, very good team that not a lot of people had a lot of knowledge about.
1: True, that is true.
0: Because a lot of times you get to these teams where oh, they know that eventually they they get a sense of, well, we're playing against this team right here. You know, uh, Pangu might pick this operator or something like that. Or this player might be roaming or something along those lines. This player might be playing uh, this operator and, you know, peeking or something like that, spawn peeking. So you get a sense of as you start playing these teams and you start playing them more, 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 more. They have a set way of doing things, right?
1: And yeah, you figure that out, and you pick it apart, and you kind of metagame them. And I don't think anyone knew how to metagame Empire, really.
0: And maybe they did, and they just metagamed them wrong. I don't True. know what, what all the... Behind instances. the scenes. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. But regardless, it's impressive, to say the least. hmm Our third quarterfinal, G2 Esports, taking down Space Station Gaming.
1: Yeah. I will say I was happy to see Space, Sta- Space Station actually get a map here because, you know, G2 3-0'd. I don't know what the maps were in those 3 o's, but they got out of the group stages 3-0 and then went and, you know, 3-0'd a Team Empire and 2-0'd Reciprocity. So I was just happy to see, you know, Space Station got a game. Like, that. that's good. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. It's It's one of those things where if you can get a map against G2... You're in very good position, you know. Just limiting the just domination. You know what I mean? Just being able to get a map on them and say, "Okay, we can win this." You know, we can do this. Yeah, there's a chance
1: at that point, right?
0: Yeah, you give yourself some confidence and knowledge that okay, we were able to beat him, beat them here. We only have to win one more.
1: Yeah, true. And
0: we have what it takes to beat them. Now, ultimately, Space Station ended up falling, and G2 moves on to face the winner of the fourth quarterfinal, which was between Evil Geniuses and Team Reciprocity. We already talked about it much, so we won't go back into it again. Team Reciprocity squeaks that one out against Evil Geniuses 2-1 to one, to face G2 and the semis. Our first semifinal, we had Noir Rango versus Team Empire. Again, I think it comes into the lack of experience playing against each other. Um, Team Empire just, you know, Nora Rango puts up a fight, they get a game on them, but Team Empire out of the three gets the two that they need to move to the finals.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a really cool semifinal because I think if you place Nora Rango in a different, you know, if their seeding ends up differently, that could have been our final, Nora Rango versus Team Empire, and that would have been a satisfying final. I think both those teams... You know, it could have gone either way. I think both of them played their hearts out this tournament, and they should what they're made of, and I think that spot could have gone either way.
0: Yeah, that was kind of like the... Out of the two semifinals, I think that was the one that was just kind of a toss-up. Yeah. Because we know that Nora Rango is very good. We know that they have the ability to take down any team that they come across. But... I mean Team Empire, man, they just keep proving that they, they have something to prove.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually now that I think about it, every team that went to the semifinals was a 3-0 in their groups except for reciprocity. So that you know, that just showed the just dominance each of these teams had uh through the group stages for the yeah. most part.
0: Yeah, definitely. So there seems to be something consistent, right? the teams that perform well in groups are the teams to also perform well in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I know that seems kind of like obvious, Obvious. right? Exactly. Captain obvious, but you know, that's a good point that you make that the teams that three owed their groups,
1: they got through.
0: Yeah. 75% of those teams, you know, you know, I'm, I'm working with small data sets here, but you know, three out of the four that three owed their group got to the top four. Got to the top four. Exactly. So that's interesting way to think about that. And then our second semifinal G2 esports versus team reciprocity. I don't think there was any argument about who could have won that.
1: Yeah. Again, that goes back to me saying if evil geniuses had gotten through, it would have been different maybe. But again, I think G2 just knew how to counter their kind of textbook siege. Didn't, they don't, you know, they didn't try anything super out of the ballpark or anything. So I think G2 just outplayed them.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, that led to our our final, which we're going to spend a few more minutes on, uh, in Team Empire and G2 Esports. Our game of five only lasted three.
1: Yep, G2 put the beat down on them, honestly. I mean, that first map was really close. Even the second map was pretty close. But again, those two words keep bringing up, endurance and experience. I think those were were the breaking points for each of the maps.
0: Yeah, I think that you look at map one and what I see is just, it. this might be looking too much into it, but I think that G2, in the back of their heads, knows that they can play the long game.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point.
0: I I think that they can set themselves up and look ahead to the future a lot better than a lot of teams can. And perhaps they knew, they knew in this final that Team Empire had zero, literal zero experience on this stage. Yeah. Nothing to prove their endurance through long matches. Nothing to prove their experience on stage. And so I think that, equates out to g2 you know again maybe i'm thinking too much into this but the rounds that they dropped you notice how coastline was a back and forth affair Mm -hmm. do you think g2 was just trying to get a read on what team empire was trying to do
1: like just um kind of extend it as long as they could in that first map to really just analyze how they yeah i I mean that's a really interesting point I, i think that's totally plausible and again i think they were fine doing that because like you said they they can play the long game they're not worried about closing out games as fast as possible they're worried about winning them and they know they have the relaxation and the endurance to just let it go on as long as it needs to
0: so I keep thinking in the back of my head that that's exactly they they were kind of playing like cat and mouse, you know. They mm. were trying to bait out. Okay, what would you guys do when we have five roamers? You know what I mean. Yeah. Like there there was a round where literally all five were off site. Yeah, they were
1: like strat checking them pretty much. Yeah,
0: they were they were trying to get as much information as they can in terms of. How are they going to approach the site? What, are they conservative? Are they more liberal in terms Do they do they go fast? Do they go slow? Do they? And you'll notice I keep thinking that this is the case because the the mix up that G two played. You know, some rounds they went fast, some rounds they went slow, and they wanted to test the waters to see okay, what can we do against them to really take advantage of their team.
1: Yeah, and if that's how, the how can case. You win
0: these fights?
1: Yeah, and if that's the case, I mean that's just 9,000 IQ right there.
0: I mean, have you seen Fabian and Pengu play? Have you seen Kanto Riketti yeah, play? Yeah,
1: they they just have the highest IQ. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it.
0: their brains are about to bust out of their heads sometimes. Yeah. Because there's there there can't be that much room left to grow in terms of brain matter.
1: <laughs> I mean, because like we always joke about 9000 IQ plays on like Call of Duty and uh, CS and everything but there's a lot going on in Siege and if you can like do those kinds of things that is really, you know, the nutty IQ right there.
0: Well, it just makes me think there was a clip that I saw of Fabian where he was playing on border and he was he was playing Ash and the defending team had a guy posted in Uh, Archives in an off angle. He runs up and, like, sees him and, like, they have a little gunfight. He runs back downstairs, looks at the hatch that is in server room and aligns it with where he would be. His eyes. What map is this? This is border. Yes,
1: I know what player you're talking about.
0: Yes, he literally looks at the hatch and then orients himself to where the guy is, shoots his ass charge, and it kills him.
1: Yeah, that was insane.
0: It's it's knowledge like that of the game that I think leads me to believe that that could have been a little cat and mouse sort of play. You know, on a five-game series, you have some room to work with. So why would you not just take that first game to really get to know your opponent?
1: Yeah, and I think honestly, all eyes were on Empire to some degree when it came to this match or I like, think our eyes should have been on G2. Well, yeah. So what I was going to say about that is a lot of eyes were on Empire and I don't think G2 took that lightly. I think they did do some research because, you know, we go into our ban phase. They banned Consulate. That's absolutely Empire's best map.
0: Mm-hmm. So they,
1: down. yeah, they knew ahead of time. Let's just, we don't need Consulate to win. We're not worried about it. Let's just take it away from them and go from there. But G2 knew what they were doing when it came to that, for sure.
0: I agree. And you know, I'm I'm just going to keep coming back to it because I I think the more I talk about it, the more I convince myself of it. There's a there's a next level. Like we we say like, well, that's a next level play, or they're just play they're on another level. Uh huh. I think their entire team is just on another level.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that's that's what led them to take home the trophy, take the championship two times in a row, is because I was just watching that game watching those games and to see just the complete. They just knew what was happening at all times. It seemed like they had, if even if they lost rounds, it still felt like in losing that round, they had complete control over losing that round. You know what I mean by that? Uh Uh It's like they, they had every opportunity, every power to make sure that they won it, but they just didn't. Yeah. You know, you know,
1: yeah for sure and like again so i think the experience again experience i was watching it was during the last map actually uh what was that was a bank i believe that was bank It was the Mm -hmm. last map um like team empire would put themselves in these situations where they might be ahead there was one round where it was three to five and you know that's actually pretty hard to come back from in the world siege if you're up two players it's like wow this round's over Empire didn't know how to, you know, expound on these advantages that they gave themselves, and they almost seemed con- confused or out of control. Or if G two, yeah, G two would do a play, they just were so all over the place. They couldn't get themselves together. They couldn't stay organized. They just lost all control, and it just it felt like that. Whenever G two would do a big play against them, or if they had just done a big play against G two, it's like, what do we do now? I, that's what it felt like watching it. And G2, you know, they stayed calm during all those situations. And they were just like, okay, we're down two players. Let's just change up the way we're taking it. And they ended up winning that round without losing another player. It was just that's, insane.
0: It's so interesting to think about because you almost think that, oh, Empire, they're up, they're now up five players to three. That's not normal. Right. Right. Like we should be getting trades. Yeah. Like we got to kill. We should have gotten traded off. We got another kill, we should have gotten trade off. It should be a three three right now. And you know, so they might be thinking like you know, they're confused about why they're ahead. Yeah, it,
1: it's I, it's weird. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Maybe that's looking too much into it as well, but I think there's a number of factors that I think maybe not many people are considering that maybe they're just straw But well like I, uh, I, I again yeah. like
1: empire empire wasn't like a pushover of this tournament you know you, you can't just go in there oh they just got lucky and g2 just pounded them it's like no they did really good it just just deep g2 brought everything out and just knew what to do i mean like you were talking about analyzing how they play that last map they banned jackal that hurt g uh, empire so badly not having access to that jackal because if you look comparatively they almost seemed too reliant on Jackal for information. They were not droning as much as they should have been on attack comparatively to some of these other high-level teams. It's almost like they forgot they had drones. Again, just the disorganization and confusion that would spout from not being, you know, having everything they need, the right map or the right operators, and G2 just took, picked them apart when it came to that.
0: It's a complete advantage of that. And again, I think this goes back to that Coastline game. You start to see trends and games that go that long.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What are they picking the most? Jackal, you know, on attack. You know, what are what are they? What strats are they running to take certain bomb sites? Okay, how do they play on a round to round basis? Do they are they really simple? Do they go fast one round, slow the next, fast the next, slow the next? Do they go slow, slow, fast? You, You start to develop. Patterns. Yeah, and I think G two. I I honestly believe they're just on that other level, and they they were able to say, "Let's just take game one, even if we lose it. This is a five game series." You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, they have plenty of time to recover. They you know, have, they're, they're not going to freak out by losing one world. game. Yeah, exactly.
0: And this just comes full circle. You know, we started talking about experience. You start. We can end with endurance. They can take that first map and draw it to infinitely many overtimes, and still say, "We're still good."
1: Yeah, I think even if they would lost the first map, they would have been pretty unfazed.
0: I think, I think so too. I, I, I think that again, I firmly believe that that first map was an information play.
1: I, I will agree with you. That is one of the probably the greatest analytic. Uh, call out you've made ever hater so i'm gonna wholeheartedly believe that and that is a very good analysis of that first map
0: i you know i think the analysis of the first map just literally feeds itself it bleeds into the second two yeah because because you'll note that the games just got less and less close
1: yeah so you had
0: game one multiple overtimes was close in some regard. People would call it close. Oh, I, yeah. honestly, I honestly wouldn't call it close. I, I think the G2 had the wheelhouse the entire game.
1: Right. So on paper, you'd say it was a close paper, it's close. On paper, it's close. But if you actually watch it, it's like, okay. Not G2 close. G2 had both yeah. hands on the wheel the whole time,
0: right? They, yeah. They weren't, they weren't even letting their passenger shift. Yeah. You know, They were driving the car fully. And,
1: And then you have border seven to four and finally bank seven to one. They got one map on the last or one round on the last map.
0: Again, first map bleeds into the other two. You had your information play, your map of just full G2 saying, how do we beat team empire? Even if they lose that game, which they ended up not, you know, it could have been that they just said, Okay, we have enough information. Let's end it.
1: Yeah, you know, and just, you know? <laughs> yeah, just I mean, just a quick shout out. You know, let's wrapping this up here. Just some of the players. Canto, probably the MVP. I mean, he had a one point three seven. Dude's rating. insane. Yeah, he dropped forty seven kills in three maps. That's an average of like sixteen kills a freaking map. And he had fifty percent of his shots were headshots. Okay, dude's nuts. One point eight eight KD, only twenty five deaths. He, he was just insane, and I'd like to point out his defensive main was a mute. No, no coincidence there, guys. Insane under they operator. just keep
0: buffing him, there's no reason not to play him.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think Cantu was the MVP of that one, followed probably by Fabian. He was also actually nuts during that game.
0: Let's just be honest, the entire team are just insane, like yeah. they're all MVPs in their own regards. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You know, I love watching Pangu play because. He's just very smart. They're all intelligent, right? But uh. but Pangu is not only smart, but he's resourceful and tactical. And so and I love watching him roam as well. When he gets put on the roamers, just seeing the decisions he makes, you know, it you can learn a lot of how to play siege by watching YouTube. By by watching professional siege in general. So just, just a shout out to this event, right? This event is the pinnacle of Siege. And, you know, not only do we see high-level gameplay, we see alternative ways to play the game. We see yeah. what it takes to perform at the highest level. And ultimately, the people to beat are G2. And so That's true. they're literally showing everybody, this is how you play at the, at the top level in Siege. So I just want to close uh, wrapping this up with just another congratulations to them. You know, they, Absolutely. they have, they have shown us that they are the best without regard. I will never say that G2 will not win an event again. You have my word. That's not true. I I'm, I'm from NA. I've got to be biased, but they are waiting in the shadows, right? You know, Come beat us. And you are going to have to beat them. They're going to have to be beaten at some point. If you're going to try and lift the title of champions.
1: Absolutely, man. It was a great event, great matches, great teams. G2 taking it. Super exciting. I think that about wraps up our, pre, our overview of the six invitational 2019. So much fun. So happy we did these episodes um it was a great time
0: agreed we're going to move into our final closing thoughts at this point if you liked what you heard today if you liked what we talk about if you didn't like it well at least we held you for this long and i'm sorry uh for that i'm actually not we enjoy what we're doing and that's a wrap so if you liked what we do though uh, if you are listening on youtube if you would maybe consider clicking that subscribe button. We do have episodes that come out every Tuesday evening. Uh, Evening is kind of up for grabs on what that actually means. I know a lot of them are around 9 or 10. We do have day jobs. And unfortunately, you know, we just have to fit in the time in order to get things done. So, but Tuesdays, I promise they'll be coming out. They'll be posted. If you would also consider hitting that like button, if you did enjoy it, and leaving us a comment. How we're doing? How can we improve? What would you like to see in this content? Um, if any thoughts about the Six Invitational that you might have, any thoughts about the news that we ran over today, let us know what you think. We want to grow in this community, want to grow in this project, and we want to hear from you more. If you want to follow us in alternative social media, we have a NateStack Twitter. You can follow that to see... Updates on news, updates on when our episodes go live, and whatever other content we decide to post there um, in the Twitterverse. You can also follow us on Instagram at the NADESTEC, uh, where we'll have maybe some clips, some other photos of events we go to, uh, just some more alternative media for you to follow if you enjoy uh, what we're doing here. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at TNS Haterade. There you'll see a, a wide variety of other things, including my other projects that I'm working on, and then uh, other such items as it results to uh, this podcast and Counter-Strike Siege and Call of Duty. Christian, where can we find you at?
1: You can find me on Twitter at CDOB96.
0: He still hasn't gotten around to changing his handle, but that's okay. Because... <laughs> you know, one thing at a time, right?
1: Yeah, we have a Uh, lot going on. We're making a lot of big changes here at the Nade Stack, trying to reach out to you guys as best as possible. We're taking our time with it, but we're making all the right moves. Um, We're just excited for the way things are going. So we're looking forward to it.
0: Agreed. So if, if you are a podcast listener who doesn't necessarily come to YouTube that often for podcasts, but would rather have it on an alternative media such as, Uh, Spotify, iTunes, so on and so forth. We are actually looking into placing this content onto those platforms as well. We'll have more news about that in the coming weeks uh, as it rolls out. Any other closing thoughts from my co-host?
1: I just look forward to our coverage on the Katowice tournament. We'll be covering that for the next two weeks as we'll catch up on the challengers and what will have been the legend stage. And then the last week we'll hit up the champion stage. We're really excited to cover all that before we are officially done with our major month.
0: Following major month, our next episode will be the Burnt Horizon episode, where we will have a special guest, one of our friends who uh, has a love desire for Siege just as much as we do. And we know that he'll be enjoyable, and uh, he'll have some fun with us, and we hope that you'll enjoy his presence as well. Yeah,
1: he'll be a fun time, I think. It'll be a blast to have him on here.
0: He just doesn't know how to play Mira. So I will tell you about that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Jacob will give you the lowdown on that when the time comes. <laughs> there has been some heated debate on that particular topic. But there is we'll no heated debate. Time. He just simply oh,
0: can't play Mira. Sure, okay. Final. He he so would say take, otherwise. He would he would claim otherwise and be wrong. So we'll just leave that at that. And um guys, we're excited about this content. We're excited about keeping uh, this rolling and just growing in it. And I look forward to the next few weeks and to the coming episodes we have slated. We have a lot going on, Uh, especially right now. It's a fun time to jump into this project. And uh, we know that, you know, every week won't be exactly like this with a lot of events going on, but we're going to continue doing the best that we can to bring you the best content that we possibly can. If there's nothing further from my co-host, my name is Jacob Haderade Bailey, closing out for christian soup down you've been listening to the nate stack and we'll see you next time